So we're continuing on today with a series of talks that I've been uh, giving you in the last few weeks on the, uh, the Great Commandment. A while ago, I, I picked up a book in, in which the author identified the Great Commandment as a fundamental guidance directive for living. And so I was excited to read the book because of my conviction that this greatest of all commandments does indeed set the course for a fulfilled and purposeful life. The author started by quoting the great commandment, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And then went on to say, now let's talk about strengths. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. I mean, whatever happened to loving God with our heart and our mind and our soul? For this particular author, the key ingredient for finding meaningful direction in life came from discovering where you are strong and making this understanding the position from which you live. This is a common conclusion, I believe, for people on the go and reflects the drivenness that infiltrates our thinking, causing us to link our identity with doing rather than being. It stands in contrast with how Jesus describes the alignment of our lives with God and his will for us. I think there is a reason why Jesus set out the way to love God with our whole being by using the order of the makeup that he did. Now, I realize that some references to the great commandment in Scripture change the order of mind and strength. And the original record recorded in Deuteronomy chapter 6 omits the mind at all, altogether. However, the differences are not significant enough, I think, to change the rationale for the way in which Jesus unpacks what our love for God is to look like. To purpose-driven, goal-oriented, task-minded doers of which I am one, Jesus calls us to a greater way of doing life. He calls us into a depth of relationship with God that so transforms the core of our inner being that our outer lives are shaped by His heart. Before the jump is made to a strength-based response to God, we must settle the matter of heart and soul. To get these out of order leads to a performance-based religion that defines our relationship with God by our actions. Now, in finding our way forward towards living holy, fulfilled lives by pursuing the kind of all-consuming love for God that Jesus calls us to, we've already looked at the heart and have concluded that the heart is the passionate driver of our whole being. A well-ordered heart is the first step in finding our true north bearing in life. Then we examined the soul and discovered that the soul is where we experience God and become aware of living under his supervision. We now come to the directive in the most important commandment to love God with all of our strength. Now, strength carries with it the functioning of our bodies, the physical involvement of ourselves in active service to God. It speaks to the use of the innate gifts and talents and abilities everyone has and needs to live out in proper stewardship of the resources for the good of humanity. For the person who has made the commitment to become a follower of Jesus, it especially calls for the use of their strengths in a way that aligns their gift mix with an understanding of having received a godly calling. Now let me just pause here and say, 
that often when we speak of God calling us, we think in terms of those who are in vocational ministry, pastors and missionaries and all. I just want to put that to rest, that to bed, because we all are called by God. And this new wording that we have for the missions event coming up in a couple of weeks helps us to get a, a, our heads around that, to, to live called. We have all received a calling from God. We all live under that umbrella. And so the Apostle Paul emphasized this when he wrote, We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The reality is that God has created us with divinely appointed strengths. Those gifts and abilities where we can excel in carrying out His purposes for our lives. When we intentionally practice these talents, we move into the fulfillment of our calling in life. A calling to advance God's kingdom and to establish His rule over creation. When we realize that we are God's work of art, designed with a specific purpose in mind, a purpose He thought up long before we were even born, then we will set ourselves about discovering what His intentions are for us. When we discover our strengths, we begin to discover our calling. Now let me say that a strength is the ability to function consistently in a particular activity with personal satisfaction and resiliency. Many times when we think about receiving gifts or abilities and, and that from God, we, we, we sometimes think that we kind of have to keep them hidden. We can't let them be too out in front because it might look like we're enjoying ourselves. Well, God's given us gifts and abilities in order to serve Him but in order to also to find fulfillment in our living. A strength may be developed by giving attention to activities which come relatively easy to you and to which you find yourself being drawn. Often a strength is identified through the, the display of an identifiable gift or talent. By complementing those gifts or talents with knowledge and skill, a strength may be broadened into a powerful advantage for moving forward with purpose and direction. The evidence is convincing, I think, that you are most successful when you build your life around your greatest strengths. Your strengths are to be your primary focus. Jesus specifically instructs us to love God with all of our strength. But how often, we, uh, how often do we filter how well we are doing in our love for God through whether or not we are overcoming the weakest areas of our behavior? Now, I'm not suggesting that we totally ignore our weaknesses as if they don't exist. However, we are much better positioned to align ourselves with the kind of life God has in mind for us when we see ourselves as being God's good piece of work, wired in a unique way to do the things that He has planned for us long ago. The problem is that most people don't realize where they are strongest, nor do they know how to go about discovering their strengths. But it just seems logical to me that the God who has designed us with a particular purpose in mind is not going to keep us in the dark when it comes to identifying the capabilities and capacities He has given to us to accomplish His good intentions. 
So I would like to, like, like to examine some biblical evidence that I think supports my conclusion here this morning. As we launch into the discovery of our strengths, I would first point out to gaining strength where it counts. I love the way that David is described as using the strengths that God gave him in leading the nation of Israel as their king. It was said of David, and David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. Before David engaged in using the skill set that God had placed within him, he developed strength of character. That's what integrity of heart means. David had learned to grow strong where it counted, and the deep inner recesses of his being where character is formed. Character is the inner strength that shapes our outward patterns of speech and behavior. It especially shows up in our disposition towards what we give ourselves to when no one is looking. In the long run, we behave in ways that are consistent with our character. And so Jesus said, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. It may be that I can use the skills and abilities, the strengths I have to cover up my inconsistent tendencies for the moment. But in the end, my true colors will come through. Good behavior cannot trump poor character formation. The point of Jesus' teaching is that we can never become who God made us to be if we just aim at doing the right things. We must aim at becoming the kind of person who naturally does what is right. God's goal in character formation isn't simply for me to avoid sin. It's for me to become the kind of person who actually wants to do right things. Sound character is this, to have the inner strength to live with integrity of heart and soul before an ever-present God. John Ortberg writes, Character is not the same as skills for success. And success is not necessarily a sign of moral integrity. In the church world, we can sometimes get a little blurred in equating success with God's blessing. For our ultimate task is not the construction of a ministry. It is the construction of character. We cannot fail at what we are becoming and succeed at what we do. And so we must ensure that we are becoming strong in the one area where failure is deadly. The formation of character. For character is the ultimate strength, the power to change for good who we are and what we do. Now, once we have determined to be strong where it counts, we can move on to what I'm referring to as strength workouts. You see, besides shepherding the people of Israel with the integrity of heart, David led them with skillful hands. In other words, David completely practiced the skill strengths that God had given to him. When it comes to discovering our strength for doing the work that God has prepared for us to do, there is one thing that's, that is certain. God knows what it will take for us to accomplish the calling he places on our lives, and then he gifts us accordingly. The Apostle Peter wrote this instruction to a group of Christ followers about the God-given gifts they had received. Everyone should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 
If anyone speaks, he should do as if he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now from these words of the Apostle Peter, I believe that we discover the following. In God's economy, there is no one who is left out from his program of planned giving. If you love God in the way that Jesus speaks of, you can be sure that God by his grace has given you the capacity to excel in some area of service to him and to humanity. Then whatever gift or gifts that God has given you are strengths to enable you to accomplish the work that he has called you to do. When you choose to love him with all of your strength, you agree to step up to the plate and swing away at the opportunities that God sends your way that align with how he has shaped you. And then as well, exercising your strength is a powerful demonstration of your confidence in God, that God has you you right where he wants you and will enable you to gain success so that you can bring praise and honor to the name of Jesus, as Peter outlined in the scripture text we just read. So with this in mind, let me speak to a question that perhaps many of you have been asking yourselves. How do I know what my strengths are? Well, I'd like to give five suggestions that I have found to be helpful in living from a strengths-based perspective. First of all, gain an awareness of what your God-given strengths may be. If we are to discover where we are strong in the gifts and abilities that God has granted to us, we need to know at least some of the possible options. There are three Primarily, there are three major scripture references, rather, that speak of God gifting us with the capacities for advancing his work in the world. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Now let me say that these are not all-inclusive lists given here, but they give us a good idea of the kind of strength workouts that God has in mind for us. So I'd encourage you, if you're looking to... Try to discover what it is that God has called you to, how he's gifted you, how he's wired you. Read these these passages of Scripture carefully. Identify the gifts that are listed there. You may even want to write them out. Look up the definitions of them. Do a study on what these gifts mean. Become familiar with them so that you are at least aware of some of the possibilities. And then, of course, there are any number of personality profiles and gift inventories out there that can be helpful to you in gaining a better understanding of how God has wired you, of your spiritual gifts and natural abilities. Then, secondly, align your actions with your strengths. As you become familiar with the kinds of special abilities that God gives, there may be some that are of particular interest to you. Go ahead, give them a try. Again, if you are not taking some action on this matter, it's difficult for God to guide you. Keep track of what happens within you as you try different possibilities. Are you energized by what you're doing or deflated by what you participate in? I think there's good biblical evidence that aligning yourself with God's purpose for your life leads you into pleasant places. It is God's plan to match the gifts that he gives with the personalities that he has created So that if you have a a gift, you will feel pretty good about using it. 
From a biblical standpoint, there is no conflict between serving God and having a good time while doing it. Thirdly, evaluate your effectiveness. God gives us capabilities along with the capacity to carry them out because He wants us to accomplish something for Him. You see, strengths-oriented people get results. If you find that in an area in which you thought you were strong doesn't lead to the kind of satisfaction or results that you have anticipated, well, you may have discovered an area where God has not gifted you. Don't feel badly. Just realize that this is something that God doesn't intend for you to do. There are others He has who can pick up the slack here. However, if you do see God using you powerfully on a fairly regular basis, then there is the good possibility that you have found an area of strength. Fourth, look for others to affirm your strengths. Since our God-given strengths are for building up His kingdom, you can expect that as you exercise your strengths, others will be helped to mature in their spiritual development, and they'll tell you. Listen to what people say. Their assessment can be a means of confirming the strengths that you may or may not have. And then cultivate your relationship with God. Consider the fact that our God is not silent, that He speaks to us, that we can discern His voice. So spend time communing with Him in worship and prayer, Bible reading, searching out quiet places. Treat yourself to the sheer delight of wasting some time in the presence of God. As you do so, you will encounter Him nudging you forward in ways that may stretch you, but in the end will develop your strengths and bring about a greater maturity within you. As God shapes and forms you for the work that He has for you to do, He will mostly do so in the areas where He has gifted you. So learn to go with your strengths as you work out God's will for you, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, let me wrap up things uh, this morning by giving to you this following diagram. I want us to understand that God is the giver of good gifts. James says every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. God has good plans, good purposes, good provisions for your life. Learn to live from this perspective. Then God delivers on His plans by giving gifts to you through His Spirit as He determines best, so that you may function productively within His good intentions for you. The Apostle Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in the message, All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. When we realize that God has given careful thought to how He has shaped us and imparted unique spiritual gifts to us, this prompts us to engage in life as the supernatural me. Now, I'm not talking about Superman or Superwoman fantasy here. I'm talking about living in the current reality that God has placed at your disposal a by-the-spirit supernatural empowerment to be what you are naturally not a change agent for truth and reconciliation. You are gifted. This means that you can anticipate God working through you in a way that brings joy and fruitfulness. So begin to look for ways in which you can flourish by God's design. 
Then the power of loving God with all our strength is fully released in the context of relationships, and especially the way in which we relate to one another as practitioners of godly kingdom values. We need to think in terms of how our strengths are to play out in the advancement of God's kingdom through moving from me to we. The nurturing of our spiritual wholeness is developed most powerfully in community, what I am calling the supernatural we. Although you may be gifted, you do not have everything you need to fully develop into the fullness of Christ-like living. The scriptures are unmistakably clear on the purposeful interconnectedness of those in Christ's community. The body illustration used by the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and referenced again in 1 Corinthians 12, along with his description of how the church is to function in Ephesians 4, demonstrate the power of diversity in unity. The witness of the Spirit within the context of a functioning body of of believers sets the church apart as the quintessential expression of grace in a world of ungrace. When the Spirit of God is released in power within the body of Christ, the supernatural we become makes the maximum impact for God's glory, and the strength of our love for God is affirmed. So in the age of the selfie, we must resist the pull to individuality and picture ourselves as part of the whole, better because of community where God is the chief resident. Followers of Jesus who live out their strengths demonstrate their love for God by embracing who they are, a unique expression of God's beauty and goodness. And with this understanding, they step out in courage to become that beautiful person that God has made them to be. And in this way, God's bright presence will be evident to all through Jesus Christ. And he will get all the credit as the one who is mighty in everything. Let's pray together. And so, Father, as we think about this this morning, so often our minds go to thinking about ourselves as not being wonderfully and purposefully created. We have a tendency to kind of look at how we mess up and all the things we don't do or perhaps should have done. But Father, in your good intentions for us, in your your love for us, you have seen fit to gift us in ways that will bring satisfaction to us and honor and glory to you. That we are all a part of this gift mix that you are creating and putting together and wonderfully massaging and bringing about the advancement of your kingdom. So help us to see our part and to be willing to step up and to believe that in your sovereign purposes, you have wired us and shaped us as we are, that you have a plan and a purpose for us, that no one is left out. Help us to grasp that with great faith. And resolute trust, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I know so often when we talk about how God has shaped us and given us, we have the tendency to say, oh, I'm not like so-and-so, or I don't have this, or whatever. 
Let me give to you a little parody of John 3.60. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son. And along with giving his one and only son, he gave you unique gifts and shaped you for being just who you are so that you might be a part of advancing his kingdom and bringing in his eternal purposes. So go with that understanding. Live in the light of God's presence. Live in the fact that he has made you just like you are, has a plan and purpose for you. And live in that reality. God bless you. Go in peace.